You're on with Barbara. Hey, 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 it's me, Barbara Corcoran, and this is 888-BARBARA. That's right, it's time to answer all your burning questions. From the boardroom to the bedroom, nothing is off limits. So listen up for some advice on how to live your best life. Each week, I'll be answering all your burning questions, and sometimes I'll be asking them too, interviewing some of the greatest folks I know to learn the secrets of their success so I can share them with you. So I must say, I've talked to a lot of folks out there that are very generous and overgive, but today, listen to this lady. She's a over, 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 over giver. So giving, but she doesn't have any friends. How's that possible? I'm going to get to the root of this, listening. So, if you and your husband both have big careers and you throw a couple of kids into the mix, what do you got? Not a lot of time and panic. Listen to this lady and how I straightened out her life. Hi, Barbara. My name is Noelle and I'm calling from San Antonio, Texas. I was wondering if you had any advice on making life long lasting friends. Thanks. That's all I wanted to know. I love a short question, Noelle. That needs a complicated <laughs> answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Let me start, Noel, by asking what's in the way of long-lasting friends? I take you wouldn't be asking the question if you were having a very easy time making friends. So what's in the way, do you think? I'm honestly not entirely too sure. I feel like a lot of it is kind of me um, perhaps like overextending myself to my friends. Because I know in this world, like a lot of people are selfish. Yeah. People like to take and take and take, but then they don't give back. Mm. I'm not asking, you know, hey, if I do this, then you better do this. But it is nice to be appreciated and nice to be thought of. I'm just wondering, you know, how would I get friends like that? I think all friendship is based on a two-way street. I mean, who wants to mm-hmm. be a great friend to someone if they're not a great friend back, okay? So you're in the position of feeling like you're really putting out for your friends and they're just not giving you enough back for that. Do you feel abused? I do, yes. And and do you mind if I ask you, Noel, what is it that you do for your friends where you're thinking, I'm going to really be a good friend to them, I'm going to do this, this, this. What are you doing? Give me some examples. Well, let me just like use my roommate as an example. I... uh moved in with my roommate because we were previously coworkers. So we had, you know, a history with each other. I would always ask him, Hey, would you like for me to pick up dinner for you? Would you like for me to do this or that? You know, because our roommates were at home and it's, you know, convenient in that way, you know, if he's off work or, you know, if he's at work, he doesn't have to worry about this thing that he has to do later on. Yeah. I work from home. So, you know, I try to be, you know, as helpful as I can. You sound more like and... a doting wife. Never mind, helpful. But you initiated the giving part of that. In other words, hey, what can I do for you? I'm picking up dinner for myself. I might as well pick up some for you. Or you weren't picking up dinner for yourself and you're wondering what he wants to eat tonight. Which is it? It's definitely both. It just mm-hmm. depends on, you know, the day <laughs> and whether or not I got off of work too. <laughs> okay. So you come home, you're at home and you've picked up his nice dinner. Then uh, what does he do? Is he's appreciative at first and says, wow, what a sweetheart you are. Or how does that roll out? In the beginning, like it was like he would say thank you and then it stopped. And then one day, like um, there was a day where I asked him if he could bring me home some food because he actually works at a restaurant. Oh, I, I get it. 
<laughs> yeah. So then there was one day where I asked him to bring me food if he was coming straight home. And then he didn't. And then it, it erupted into an argument and things changed. And I was like, if you were like my friend, like the way you say that you are, then we wouldn't have gotten into an argument literally over dinner. Mm. And that's why I'm like, I don't want to do this, you know, going forward in my life. I want to figure out what kind of friends I need to have in my circle or how to maintain those friends and make me be a better person and put me in a positive um, spot. Because I always just want to always do better for people. Mm-hmm. People don't always do that for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. It sounds that way. And I'm going to leave your roommate to the side just for a minute. We'll park him on your bookshelf there at home. But I want to ask you, this has been a pattern. You've had other friends, not necessarily roommates, people you've worked with that went nowhere or landed in an ending or a bad spot because you were very giving and generous of yourself and your time. Yes. Like I've literally invited someone to live with me and then she actually ended up stealing from me. (laughs) Oh, wow. I consider myself a very giving person. Yeah. And I've gone through a lot of my life. That's why I try to be giving. I always try to put good into the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even though it doesn't seem like it, I always have people's best intentions at heart. And that's why I'm like, okay, well, I know everyone doesn't have mine, but I'm like, how do I see those factors in future friends or potential friends in Mm -hmm. the future? And you've never been able to hook into a friendship or even a potential friendship where the other person was a giving, loving, generous person to begin with, and then it went awry. You are always the giver initially. You've never been on the opposite side of that equation. I don't think it's to like the standard that I normally do it. Like people say I go above and beyond and I'm like, that's fine. Like obviously my standards are are different than yours. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't expect someone to do what I did for them, like for me, Mm -hmm. but to be appreciated and be like, thought of just say even thank you or just say hey look it's been a while since we've been out to dinner yeah <laughs> like just even having people invite me out to things would be nice <laughs> yes, I'm like, yes hey how do I get these friends <laughs> so I'm gonna call you Noel the one-way street the giver that is always giving you you're just like you know what I'm a nice person and I'm gonna be very nice to you and that's where the relationship starts that's your starting point right every time you're the giver Yes. I like to listen to people and I'm like, okay. And I like to figure out, okay, this is what you need. Like if you have kids or if you just escaped an abusive relationship, I'll be that year. But it's like, it's not reciprocated for me. So yes. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. When it's not reciprocated over and over again with these different potential friendships that you are hopeful about, when you're by yourself after the fact, are you angry? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How angry are you? I get angry, but I don't do anything. I know I don't do anything because I've always thought like, okay, well, if they really wanted to put in the effort, then they would. They wouldn't be making up excuses. And I just let it go. And I'm like, it's not worth it. Like, well, you try to let it go and you move on, but you move on with your pot of anger from that last attempted friendship, right? If you sit with anger and don't act on it, don't build something on it, make an improvement on it, what happens is it always winds up in a puddle called sadness. And Mm -hmm. sadness uh, turns into self-anger. And self-anger is a teardown. It's uh, what will make you feel really lousy about yourself, even though you're the perfect angel. All right. So let's see what we could uh, figure out here. Okay. I have one other background question for you. What happened at home when you were a kid? My mom, she was a single mom. She, I believe, was very giving. But she also like spoiled me like materialistically. And I think that's also something else that kind of hinders me. Why? I I don't have my nose up in the air. Like if you don't have a name, a name bag, 
first. Like yeah. I know everyone's priorities are different. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I try to be giving because I know, you know, everything that's materialistic, we obviously can't take it with us. <laughs> yep. Okay. Doesn't sound like you are the type of person that values that. I like it for me, but, but I know everyone else, like I'll never be like, oh, you don't have this. What's wrong with you? Like, and some people are like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But I, I know from that, like my mom was always giving as well because my mom worked like two jobs to support me, you know. But she also had friends that were also, you know, single moms. And she did have, like, um, later on my stepdad when I was, like, a teenager. But I would say, yes, my mom was very giving. My grandmother was also very giving, but not really towards my family. Mm-hmm. Like, it was always focused on other things, like okay. to the church or to so-and-so, but not really focused on me and my mom. Okay, so. so your grandmother was greedy with you and her own daughter, but she was generous to other people. And how about your mom? She seems like she was very giving and loving to you beyond the material, yeah. beyond providing for you well. She worked two jobs. Was she also generous in her emotional support of you, her expression of love? Uh, that's where I think it's very fuzzy. A couple of months ago, she got mad at me for blocking her on Instagram. Mm. And I'm like, well, mom, you say whatever you want about my skin and my skin is sensitive. It scars easily. Mm. I was like, I can technically say whatever I want to people on Instagram that aren't my family. Like I can cuss them out or whatever. Mm. <laughs> I can't really cuss out my own mom. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like, you can go look. I was like, but you can't comment. You can't say anything. But her just even critiquing me about like something like that. I'm like, it's social media. Mm. I'm like, why are you getting upset about social media? Yeah, most kids from what I see don't want their parents nosing around in their social media, what seems to be public space, but different when you have a parent. I say that's pretty normal on your part. I'm 25 and my mom was getting mad. That's why I was like, (laughs) this is a little ridiculous. Okay. I'm going to take a stab at it. Okay. Uh, What if I said to you, you learned your means of expressing love or just plain generosity, which is a, a version of love. Is it not even to a stranger? It's a version of love. What if I said you learned your version of love very much from your mother? She was the adult in your life. And her version of love was to really provide for you and spoil you, as you said in your words, whatever spoiling means, it's always subjective, right? But she really provided for you and gave you a lot of stuff or whatever. But in the area of emotional support and deep understanding and like a a tie, an emotional tie to your mother, that she wasn't as good in that area as she was in providing stuff. Would you say that's correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say a couple of things to you. Uh, Number one, uh, let yourself off the hook a little bit. I think you have to be a little easier on yourself because you only had one role model. That was your mother. And you're doing a damn good job of imitating her way of loving. At least it's love. You're not a selfish, bitchy type girl who like says, well, I hate the world. I'm not even uh, extending a hand. I mean, I'd rather have your problem than have the opposite, right? But nonetheless, Mm -hmm. it's a problem. Okay. What do you say now that you're 25, you could design for yourself a new way of loving? Because I think the way you're loving people now are expressing affection in hopes of getting into a loving, compassionate friendship, which is what we all crave. I mean, what's life worth living if you don't have friends, family around you to hug you and love you and give to you? And it's a give and take. That's the juice of life, which is what you're longing for. What if you held back a giving, went dry? It's almost like being an alcoholic for three months. And I think you might find you have a lot more to give. You sound to me like you would make someone a very good friend. But I think what you're doing is you're creating the problem. You're creating the problem by overwhelming the people around you with how wonderful you are. And you know what that does to the other side? 
It makes anyone feel less than. How could they possibly be an even friend when you're indulging them with whatever you're indulging them with? And now quietly, there's an agreement there between friends that the other guy's got to equally give back. I wouldn't want to be on the other side of that friendship the way you've designed it to date. So I think my best advice to you, Noel, and you are one person experiencing this. And believe me, there's another 30 people listening and saying, I'm doing the same thing. This is just my new version of it, okay? What if you started to simplify your wish for a friendship to what friendship is all about, which is one guy gives, the other guy takes, one guy takes, the other guy gives, but it's always even, even. Sometimes you have to go above and beyond. But what if you just really went on sabbatical for three months and tried that on and called me back and let me know how you're doing? I think you might discover how rich you are, how much you have to give in a meaningful way that friendships get based on without the other trappings of going above and beyond. What do you think? I understand what you're saying, but my whole thing is I wouldn't want you to do like what I do for you because that's just how I think of you. Like if you're saying like, oh, well, my kids, like my little pony, like maybe I could stop by the mall if I'm ever there, (laughs) get the daughter or the child, like a my little pony something. But if they wanted to think about me, then they would listen to the conversations that we've had before because I tell people like I don't really know how to cook I'm struggling in the kitchen so they might offer their help on cooking yeah yeah that's what I'm saying like teach me to cook that would be nice (laughs) or teach me how to like play poker there are lots of things that I want to learn how to do and there are people that are older that I work with and they know how to do these things like if I do maybe this then maybe they can think about me and be like hey Noel, you want to come over and I can teach you how to make this for dinner so you can make it next I get week. it all right there's a seed of a good idea there I would suggest that you start being very direct okay but still hold back on this inordinate amount of giving that you're doing is impossible because no one can measure up even if They could teach you how to play poker. They're not going to teach you as well as you just gave them this. Unrealistic and unspoken expectations never leads to friendship. Okay, so try this on. You're kind to someone, okay? You want me to pick you up a cup Mm -hmm. of coffee on the way in? Once, just once. Don't make it a habit because now you're the coffee supplier, okay? Now you might be thinking, oh, I wonder if they'll offer me coffee tomorrow. Forget that thought. People don't think that way. People aren't that perfect, okay? But you're looking at that person you brought the coffee for. You hand them the coffee and say, you know what I was thinking about last night? I know you play polka. If you had some time the next few weeks, I would love to have an hour lesson to learn how to play polka. Would you have time for that? Here's your coffee. I wish to God I knew how to boil an egg. Do you know how to boil an egg? Yeah, I know how to boil an egg. Hey, could you explain to me how to boil an egg so I don't overcook it? You give a little thing, they give a little thing back. It's even Steven. That's what friendship is. That's the beginning of the seedling of growing the little baby plant into something that's really beautiful. But I think for you to assume that they're going to do it on their own and think up the equal solution is totally unrealistic And you're going to repeat this pattern again and again and again. Okay, so new homework assignment. What I want you to do is think in tiny, tiny little increments. A cup of coffee is okay. Bringing home dinner ain't no good. On your next friendship that you want to build, give a little tiny nugget and then speak your mind. Maybe not that moment. Try that. Can you do that for three months without doing any inordinate amounts of giving? I can definitely try. I've never had like someone say that to me. (laughs) I'm not saying it to you. I'm suggesting as a solution to your problem. You don't have to commit now, but what I don't want to hear is you'll try. People who say they try in anything I have found never succeed. It's people who say, okay, I promise I will. 
those people make a change. Are you ready to say that or you want to think about that? And let me know later. That's okay. I will do it. I will do it. I want you to keep a a report card on yourself for the next 90 days. Get a wall calendar, not in your phone, something you could see when you come home at night. And you put a star or a check or okay in every day you actually succeed in that. You have to be accountable to yourself. It's going to be a hard habit for you to change because your very nature is in the lousy habit of overgiving. And you'll never have a friend that way. Get your calendar, only 90 days, and believe me, you'll be surprised. People will actually like you without all the other shit. (laughs) Okay? Okay. (laughs) Thanks for calling in. You helped a lot of people. Thank you, Barbara. I appreciate it. Okay, good luck. Goodbye. Bye. Hi, Barbara. How are you? It's Ashish. I'm calling from New York City. I'm calling because I'm having a hard time juggling kids, work, school, just any tips and advice that you can give me as to what to focus on so that I still can stay on top of my career without, you know, losing out on just being present as a parent. That would be great. Thank you. So you're really asking, I would think, a life skills advice more than your career advice. How many children do you have, Assis? I only have two. Only have two? What do you mean only have two? That's a lot of work. How old are they? They're seven and five. Oh boy, my gosh. That's a lot of work too. I was hoping you were going to say 17, 18, they're driving me nuts. And I was going to say, don't worry about it. It'll all be over soon. No, we're still in the beginning of it. <laughs> oh my God. Are you married? Do you have a spouse? Do you have a partner? Yes. I am married to a man who works um, in finance. So we live in New York City and mm-hmm. um, he works at a hedge fund actually. So he's not available really to help me during mm-hmm. the week. So it really is me. And then of course, when I hire sitters and help, but then, you know, you still have to manage help. It's not like you just hire someone and then you're not involved. Yes, yes. Let me start right there. What do you have right now in the area of people helping you? You have two kids that go to school every day. They're both in school, I guess, right? Yes, they're both in school. Okay. Are they boys or girls? I have a daughter who's seven, a son who's five. So your kids are going to school every day and you have some help. Do you have someone who works for you many hours every day of the week? What's the situation there? I had two people who alternated days who worked with me in the afternoon evenings. Mm -hmm. I felt like the rhythm of the house was getting interrupted almost. The kids were kind of just not following my rules as much. And I wanted to be more present. I thought maybe it was because I wasn't home as much that maybe I just had to be around more. And then also I thought business would slow down this quarter, Mm -hmm. but it turned out it actually picked up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm happy, but um, I'm right now actually interviewing for more help after school in the evenings. So Cease, help me with that. What are you looking to find in help? You had two people, two shifts, I guess they're back to back to help you with your young kids. What are you looking for now? Are you trying to repeat that again? Is it full-time help? Is it Monday through Friday? What about weekends? What are you shooting for here? What I'm looking for is help after school with activities. And previously they didn't work for me every day. It was more like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I had someone. And then Tuesday, Thursday afternoon evenings, I had someone. Now what I'm looking for is someone to help me in the afternoons Mm -hmm. between let's say like four to seven perhaps even later if my viewings are later in the evening. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking to find the right balance between being a good mom and a present mom and Mm -hmm. still being really driven and taking my business to the next level. Okay. Let me give you my own experience and things I've learned because I had two kids of my own. I raised before that three stepchildren and I was always building a business. And I can tell you with the real estate business, you don't schedule your own time. The client does that for you. 
And so you have to really be, for those of listeners that aren't in the business, you're really at their beck and call. If you want to be successful in real estate, when the client needs you, that's when you work, okay? It's one of the worst businesses in the world for raising children, in my opinion, even though so many women get drawn into the business because they think uh, flexibility and so I'll have more time with my kids. That's true that you could schedule your time to go to a game or do this, whatever, and you're in charge of your time because you're an independent contractor. You're in effect in business for yourself. But what's not true at all is that any of your time is your own time. Because in reality, you're in a reactive business reacting to what people's needs are. I can't see it then. Can I see it here? You negotiate the deal. You might want to negotiate it tomorrow, but you can't because it's got to be negotiated right now or you lose a deal. Right. Let's assume that you're not ever going to be in charge of your business because the nature of your business is that the client is in charge and you have to react. If you thought you could never be in charge of your business, what kind of help would you actually hire for yourself. What happens on Saturday and Sundays? You don't have showings on Saturday and Sundays? No, I do. My husband's home though, so I can work. Okay. So your exhausted husband, who's uh, in the investment banking field, which is a all in kind of a business, comes home and he's probably the ideal father with your kids on weekends because he's well rested and really wants to play with them and schedule activities. I bet that is perfect. He's happy to be with the kids, but he does get tired and I get tired. So... I would suggest to you to start off with, you need a lot more help than you think you need. And that is the key to happiness, juggling work and kids. Number one, you can afford it. If you're doing well in your business, there's something about spending money on the right help, taking that leap of faith that makes your business grow. I've never seen an exception to that rule. Overpay for something so that you're really short up and your business grows. I can't even explain the logic of that, but I manage a thousand salespeople at any given time in my business building it. And I can tell you, I've never seen an exception. So consider me the expert. So the question is, what's the dream people or person you want working with you to help you manage your family and your business? Do you have help at work? Do you have an assistant? No, no, I don't. I do it all myself. Let's talk about your home first. Okay. I believe you should have a full-time person working for you and make the hours right after the kids come home from school, maybe even before they go to school, if that's an issue getting them out to school. What you should have is many more hours available to you. And I think it should include weekends. I really do. And I think it should not only include minding the children, but being totally in charge of the child's schedule so that when the weekend comes, something's already scheduled and the person is available to take your kids there if your husband just doesn't want to do it in the morning. I have found that if you're not totally exhausted as a parent, you become a wonderful parent. So many people are feeling guilty not being enough at work, not being enough at the kids, not being enough of a wife, not being enough of a husband. The guilt gets in the way. It can all be cured 99% with the right help. So you need someone at home who's really going to wrap their schedule around you to your convenience and to your husband's convenience. And there's nothing selfish about that. It's a way to love your kids better. It's a way to love yourself better. So what kind of person do you want to get? I can tell you who I always hired. I always hired someone that I overpaid so that I could get the best help, even when I didn't really have the money to pay, but I always made the money at work the minute I did it. What if you gave it a really big budget? Could you get someone who would wrap their entire schedule around yours and your husband's schedule, which is very full? Someone who could work maybe a 50-hour week and they could work hours on the weekend, maybe every Saturday morning or every Sunday afternoon, they come in and give you and your husband a break so you could go out for a brunch and actually enjoy each other's company without worrying about the kids. Could you get someone flexible enough if you overpaid them? Yeah, if I overpaid them, sure. 
Yeah. Let me tell you something. I could tell speaking with you, you're going to be a top agent. I just could smell a great agent a mile away. Okay. Let's <laughs> assume you'll always make a great living and let's assume you'll always worry about it because that's the other mark of a great agent. They never really think they're ever going to be great every year. So let's assume you could believe when I say you're going to be a great agent, you're going to make a lot of money. What about going really way out to get a phenomenal person to work for you as an administrator, a scheduler? someone who could shop for the food when your kids are at school, someone who could arrange somehow to get a good meal on your table when you come home at night so everybody eats well? My only concern is I feel bad if I'm not with my kids. Do I just have to get over that? No, no. You're going to be with your kids, of course. You live there. They all live with you. You're going to be with your children. But when you're with your children with added help, you're going to love them twice as much. They're going to see a relaxed mom. They're not going to feel the stress they're not going to feel the guilt. They're not going to feel the overindulgent because you're not there enough. So, uh, uh, no, you've arranged to take care of them in a beautiful fashion with the right assistant. You're still the mom. You're still the chief executive officer at home, just like you are at work. But now you have someone who works for you. Yeah. Their job is to make you happy and your kids happy and your husband happy. But you know what's in the way is guilt. Yeah, it is majorly. I have, I have a lot of guilt for everything. Why? I don't know. I think it's because I'm Southeast Asian. That's just the way we are. I don't know. Really? I had like a great mom who, who stayed at home to raise us. And then she helped my dad at work. And my dad was the CEO of his own business and he was very successful. And she just managed to do it all. We always had live and help though. I mean, it's, oh. you know, but she was always in the car running around with us. And then, you know, she always set the table and dad would show up with random people all the time for his clients overseas. Amazing. I grew up in a house where like women just kind of did it all. So I think I expect myself to do it all. But your mother didn't do it all. She always had help. That is a good point. Yeah, she did. Not only did she always have help, but you just sang her praises. Yeah, okay? She was true. a great mom. Don't you say she's a great mom? I suspect you're a phenomenal mom. No doubt in my mind. I suspect you're a phenomenal businesswoman too, which your mother was in her own style in her own time, under the wing of your dad or supporting to make sure he flew high. She supported her kids. She made him fly high. My dad always says, the reason I am where I am is because I had your mom with me every step of the way. Ah, and you as a child thought my mom was terrific. She's a great role model. Yeah, she's amazing. Okay, you need better help. I okay. rest my case there. Just go out and splurge. Let's say if I'm worried about my business, like not doing well one year, I don't, I shouldn't just cut back on the help. I should just put my head down and just do my work and get the help anyway to support me. Let me tell you something, Assis. The reason I know you'll always do well in business, and now obviously you know real estate goes up and down. Right. Among all the years, my top salespeople always went up, no matter what was going on. And guess what trait they all shared in common? Every January, they rushed into my office, petrified that they'd never have another good year. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> so yeah, this is my best year, and I'm worried about next year already. <laughs> okay, well, guess what? Let me interpret the real language of that back to you. That simply means that you will always do well. Now, I could tell you that from now till the cows come in and you will not believe me because I used to sing that to my agents every day of my life and they never believed me. But I can tell you as someone who made their living managing people like you and getting the best out of them and seeing them fly, you will always be a top agent. If you stop being a top agent, you can cut back at home, but trust me, you'll never cut back at home. Just go and splurge and get yourself the right help. If you don't deserve the absolute best help, I ask you who does. Thanks. I had to hear that. Thank you. 
I set you free. You better do it. I will. And how do I know what to focus on and where to spend my time and energy in terms of business? I'm in year five, I guess. You know what I'm going to do, Assis? I'm going to ask you to call back again with that question because I'd like to give it to you. We have a lineup of callers and they only give me 15 minutes. Of course. Thank you so much. And you deserve an hour. You're so smart. You would take advantage of everything and use it. So I hope to hear back from you. I will. Meanwhile, get your household in order. You're the CEO. Go hire the right help that a CEO deserves. Thank you so much. Thanks, Barbara, for your time. My pleasure. And that's all the questions we have time for today. I hope you found the advice helpful. Think I got it right? Think I got it wrong? Have an idea for a great guest? Come on, give it to me. Tweet me at Barbara Corcoran using the hashtag 888Barbara and keep those questions coming into the 888Barbara hotline. You can subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't be coy. Leave a review for the show at Apple Podcasts and keep the party going on. We'll see you next time. 888 Barber is produced by Sandy Smolens for Audiation. And Lila Mann is our executive producer. Audiation.